Hi, I'm George Tekbachev. Welcome back for another Eastern Target Archery Podcast. Well, it's been a busy week in the world of archery, both at World Archery and also here in the United States. A lot of uh, decisions have been taken in the last 24 hours as we record this podcast. One of those decisions is a momentous one. No World Cup for this year. Probably not a big surprise to some of you, given what's going on around the world. But that is a decision that was made in the last 24 hours, and we spoke with World Archery Secretary General Tom Dillon to get the lowdown. Tom, thanks for joining us again on the podcast today. Pleasure, George, as always. Well, we've got a lot to catch up on since the last time we spoke, and a number of things have happened that you told us were... Uh, going to be decided. Uh, as of the last time we spoke, uh, there was going to be a process by which World Archery was going to take a hard look at where things stand for this season and also talk to all of its stakeholders, the athletes, the federations at uh, more than 150 countries. And uh, so some decisions have been made. Yes, indeed. And uh, I think it's uh, probably one of the most uh, wide consultation process we ever took on a decision uh, as such because it was an important decision and we wanted to make sure that we we were doing the right thing for the right reasons. So we sent a questionnaire uh, to all our member associations. We had a conference call. So the member associations uh, have uh, given us a clear indication uh, that uh, they didn't see it happening either. Uh, the main reason uh, being uh, flight restrictions, um, the fact that they couldn't guarantee that they had the budget. And then when we looked at, I would say, more in detail to the countries that were giving the feedback and, and if we compare it then with uh, which countries we were talking about, uh, we quickly saw that um, out of the 10 top countries, only one could actually make it, and that was the one where we were planning to host the event. So, uh, and then also looking at, I would say, the top 20 of the world ranking lists in each category, we clearly saw that more than half of the people Um, in the top 20 were not going to make it. So uh, that was then also discussed with the athletes community. And I think one of the the positive things coming out of the meeting with the athletes and coaches committee was that they fully understood uh, that first of all, um, no matter what we do this year or next year, situation will not return to normal as such, that we will have to live with certain measures Uh, being put in place and from, I would say, the um, feedback we got from both athletes and coaches, they were quite, I would say, satisfied with the measures we had planned to put in place uh, in the event we were looking at. Uh, The the biggest concern was uh, getting from where they live to the country concerned and and the the transport uh, with uh, flights uh, is uh, seen as a a major issue and a major concern to the athletes and there were things like insurance Um, but the fact of of hosting an event and having I would say a bubble approach where people are uh, in a safe environment during a a certain time was accepted uh, as such and I think this is positive when we look forward to next year uh, where we will have events. Absolutely. And so let's, let's uh, 
talk about that a little bit. The, the decision has been made to announce the preliminary calendar, at least for 2021, the provisional calendar, as it's referred to. And uh, that's, yes, and, that's yeah, going and to be a big planning would, document, isn't it? Well, it's, it's provisional in the sense that uh, those dates are fixed for the events we have there. We also have dates fixed for the final qualifiers for the Olympics in, America, in the Americas and in Europe. The one in Oceania is still uh, being finalized, but uh, we have those in place as well. There is, there is still some events we, we need to finalize. I'm thinking of the, the World Para Archery Championships, where we're still discussing with the organizer if it will happen in 21 or 22, which is definitely our preference. Uh, because the thing is that the calendar next year will be very, very dense. Uh, and we're trying to find solutions uh, to to shift as many events as possible to 2022 to, to I would say, uh, uh, give breathing space to the athletes because there was also a clear request from our athletes committee is that we shouldn't overfill the calendar in 2021 to, to uh, I would say, uh, uh, get some, I would say, things back to normal as such. So that's yeah. the reason also why, as was planned for this year, there is three World Cup stages and not four. Uh, Which is normal in an Olympic year, right? I mean, that's normal for an exactly. Olympic year. Exactly, yes. Yeah, so those three stages are scheduled for Guatemala City, Guatemala, which was going to be the first time in Guatemala this year, but of course that's been uh, shifted now to next year. So that'll be 19th through 25th of April. Shanghai, the old standby, uh, is going to be back again in May. Um, and then uh, a big change is that, well, this year the original plan was the final qualifying tournament and the World Cup we're going to take place in Berlin, but uh, because of what happened, uh, obviously that got changed. So now it's going to be in Paris, is it not? Absolutely. And uh, also the format has changed a little bit. Uh, it might not be clear from the calendar, but uh, basically it will be two consecutive events, which are standalone events. The first one will be the uh, final Olympic qualifier, which will take place from Friday to Monday. And, and then there will be the World Cup stage following that, uh, but it will be two, like I said, consecutive events, so two uh, separate uh, ranking rounds uh, and, of course, uh, match play rounds as well. But it, it will allow certain people to come only for the qualifier or come for the World Cup. And, of course, it's also, I would say, beneficial for the compound archers because if we would have had a combined event, uh, knowing that the field size is smaller than the one we had uh, in uh, Berlin, it would have uh, prolonged the competition for the compound archers if we would have done it as one event. Sure. So I think we looked at, at both sides and, uh, and also from a media point of view, it makes it uh, better and we can uh, more, I would say, focus on the event as such, uh, being the qualifier and then afterwards the World Cup stage. Now, most certainly. You've got a situation where, by the way, this is uh, reverse from normal, right? Normally you'd have the final qualifying tournament after the World Cup, if I'm not mistaken? Well, we, we combine it in, uh, in both... In, yeah, they're both combined, but... And in uh, 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 Bowie, we had it, I would say, on the, the Friday, uh, Thursday and the Friday, and, and that wasn't ideal, uh, let's face it. Yeah, so this will be better because you've got, uh, as you say, a limited field, relatively speaking, and this will provide for everybody to get their day in the sun. 
Absolutely. And hopefully it'll and be sunny. Sun will be, <laughs> yes, let's hope it will be sunny. Uh, but uh, for sure, the ones that will get to the places will be having sunshine on their face, even if it's not sunny. Yes, in fact, that'll be a great um, launch for those who stay for the World Cup and, and are able to get that big tournament in before headed to Tokyo. Absolutely. So that's uh, pretty exciting. And of course, uh, the, big, the big challenge is to juggle all the other things that are taking place. And, and as you alluded to, not to have too much. Not, and it's not just the athletes that you have to think about. You have to think about your own staff. You have to think about the logistics of the broadcasters. It's a big deal to have so many events that will be so crowded on the calendar for everyone involved. In the case of the World Championships... Uh, which were delayed from this year. Uh, the the World Archery Championship will now take place in September of next year in Yankton in the United States, right? Well, yeah, that's the the, the, the target uh, championship. The, the field one is moved to 2022. Right. Uh, so that's uh, been delayed two years. But that's also in Yankton. Yeah, and so you, we'll alluded, you, alluded to, years, yeah. you alluded earlier to, to events being shifted to 2022, and that is one of them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, you've got a World Archery Youth Championship taking place in Australia in what will be springtime down there, which is October. Correct. And also, I would say uh, that, that was very much linked to the fact that we would also have, in principle, in 2022, the, the Youth Olympic Games in, in Dakar, Senegal. Uh, but there was another announcement of, of last week uh, that uh, that event has now been moved to 2026. Uh, so... Yes, we will still have the World Youth Championships in Australia uh, in next year uh, in Perth, but it will no longer be a qualifier for the Youth Games because by the time the Youth Games will be held, unfortunately, those athletes will be uh, too old to participate in Youth Games. So this is a very sad situation for the athletes concerned. And uh, there is some discussion going on with the the IOC and, and the Olympic Sport Federations to see if some solution can be found to have some kind of event, but too soon to tell at this moment. Sure, and that's, you know, the tragedy of that, of course, is that you've got an entire uh, generation, shall we say, or quadrennium worth of youth shooters who won't have a shot at a Youth Olympic Games, which has been such a great success in the last uh, few quadrennia. Yeah, I, I think one of the things we will do for sure is uh, we also work with the International School Sport Federation, ISF, and uh, they have uh, an event uh, called uh, the Gymnasiat, which is uh, like the universities for, for the university students. And I think it, it might be the opportunity to, to promote this event uh, because that's a biannual event rather than a quadrennial event. So we might be able to see if we can do something more with them uh, as such. Sure. So they may have a shot at getting to a premier world event besides the youth championship itself if things work out in that regard. Yeah. So uh, this is um, the the idea behind the 21 calendar is that you have a new concept, which is international blocks. All the international events are in the second half of a month now for, for 2021. So the first half is free for continental events. Uh, is that something you're planning on take going forward, do you think? Is that something that might Absolutely. make sense? Absolutely. We, we want to, to make... Uh, a more, I would say, um, fixed approach to the calendar, which helps uh, not only continental events, but also national events and events of, of other organizations to make sure that there is as little as possible overlap and uh, 
We're also working on a longer-term project to, to see how we can optimize our own events uh, because uh, they have had the tendency to become longer. And we're trying to see how we can make them shorter in the future to, to allow uh, especially our, our professional athletes to uh, have no overlaps with other events and we don't uh, have things like people having to take a play in the evening, they just finished competing together on another event and so on. So we're trying to see how we can optimize the calendar in the future. Uh, it's going to be, uh, I would say, uh, a medium to long-term process, but the the whole situation with this year has allowed us to to put things back on a, on a drawing board and, and see how we can uh, plan for the future better. Sure. I mean, if you're an organizer on a national level and you absolutely know that you've got a two-week window to schedule your event now that will not interfere with a WA event, that's a huge advantage because a year ahead, you know for sure you're not going to have a problem. Exactly. And that's, that's the whole idea. Uh, it's clear that uh, things like dates of Olympics or Pan-American Games, we cannot control. But um, for our own events, we want to be clear that we, we will have fixed parameters uh, that, that will allow exactly what you said, the national organizers to have uh, better planning on their side, which then allows to make sure that the top athletes of their country can also compete nationally and that you don't end up with people having to make uh, too many choices. Let's walk back to the current year and the specific subject of athlete rankings, because one of the elements that goes into the ranking of an athlete is that there's a time element. The points that an athlete accumulates from a win in a World Cup or other WA event, those degrade over time. So eventually they fade down and become less of a factor in that athlete's ranking. You're doing some things to protect those shooters who through no fault of their own, cannot, shall I say, defend their current ranking right now. You've got some ideas there. Yeah, absolutely. So so basically, until the 1st of April next year, the, the period that uh, 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 from 1st of April this year uh, till next year, uh, that, that period will not be taken into consideration for points that were earned before. So that uh, freezes, in a certain sense, the points obtained already. Now, we also decided that there could be some world ranking events as of September. Now, we very much expect those events to be low participation events. So uh, events, uh, I would say, we, we see as a minimum four countries participating, but let's face it, there's not going to be many events with more than 10 countries participating. Um, and uh, and so for, I would say, the people that have won the major events over the last uh, uh, two years, uh, their, their ranking will be not affected and they won't be suddenly someone winning a, a, a tournament with four countries uh, suddenly becoming first in the world ranking list. This is even more important that if for any reason we have to use a contingency in the qualification for Tokyo, a world ranking list could play a role. And therefore we don't want to end up that some strange factors uh, influence uh, the ranking position in case we need it for any Olympic qualification. Right, because uh, it doesn't just affect that, it also affects in some countries uh, whether athletes get support from their governments, things of that nature. And I Absolutely, suppose that's and I can, yeah, and I can, 
I think it could also be linked to, to some of their sponsorship contracts and so on and so on. So uh, that, that's also uh, a factor we looked at. Yeah, I think you're right about that. But I also think that from what I've seen in the industry, they're being pretty forgiving about this kind of situation right now. A lot of athlete contracts are being honored in spite of the fact that there are no podiums to advertise if you're a marketing guy for, you know, for a bow company or a whatever. Um, it seems like the industry has really uh, supported the athletes uh, that have those kinds of agreements and has been maintaining a certain amount of uh, support there. Which is very good news because I think uh, we, we I, uh, both the athletes' health but also their athletes' economy is, is important and, and we, we would really hate to see athletes uh, having to stop their sport uh, or having to, to train at a much lower level than they used to uh, in order to survive. And then that's also, we, we also did a, a project with uh, the GSD, the Global Sports Development Foundation, uh, to give grants to athletes. And uh, we've seen on the reactions uh, that it was definitely necessary and, and very helpful. And uh, uh, I just approved today the payments of those grants. So. Uh, I'm sure that the athletes will be very happy when they receive the money. Yeah, I have no doubt. Because what we don't want to see is a, a downward spiral of uh, performance or of the participant level. Because let's face it, Tom, WA has had year after year uh, more and more participants. Every WA nation has had more participants. And we'd hate to lose ground um, obviously, look, I'm not going to beat around the bush. This has been a huge setback for a lot in our sport. But the reality is that we're making the best of it with initiatives like the one you just described. And I think it should provide us for a relatively strong resurgence, rebound, when we are ready to get back on the field. Yeah, and, and also I, we're, we're trying now to look in, in how we can help... Uh, uh, well, both the archers community, but also the, the member associations to see how we can, what we uh, are working on currently. And uh, uh, I will be able to give more details in a future conference call or a podcast. Uh, as such, is, is, is what we call the Back to Archery campaign, uh, and which will be a, will have both a, a, a national level approach, but also an international level approach. And it's something we're working on that was approved by our board last week. And uh, it will be, I would say, a kind of a global approach to showing that our sport is getting back, not to normal, because I think the, no, the normal as we knew it will be different, uh, but back to the field of play. Right. Um, by the way, earlier you did you did touch on the World Para Championship, but uh, that's scheduled for Dubai, and I think the thought there is you'd like to have it in 2021, but the dates have not yet been confirmed, right? No, we we actually would like it to be in 2022. And oh, gotcha. I'll quickly, I'll quickly explain why. Is that uh, since the Paralympic Games will be in end of August, beginning of September, having an event. Uh, a world championship in October or November of 2021 just does not make sense. No, nope, makes perfect doing sense before, what you just said. Yeah. Doing it before before the Paralympic Games makes even less sense because it would not even be qualifying for the Paralympic Games. So it, it is just not logical to do it in, in 2021. 
it makes absolutely sense to do it early 2022 when athletes have the time to take a little bit of rest and then get ready for it. Yep, you're absolutely right. That uh, I hadn't considered the fact that the Tokyo Paralympic event is scheduled after, so that's very clear that that's a, a good plan. And uh, obviously that'll be... That'll, that'll be done in due course. I think most Paralympians are going to be focused on the obvious, you know, the big prize, the Paralympic Games after the Tokyo Olympic Games. So that uh, sounds like a great idea to, to delay that for a you know, period of time. Well, the, um, the bright side is that we're also seeing a bit of growth in field archery, aren't we? I, I, I understand that... Uh, Already Japan, for example, just had uh, a big field tournament and a number of other countries are planning on field tournaments. It's the ultimate in social distancing after all. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you go in the forest and <laughs> you're quiet with a limited group of people. So uh, from that point of view, it's, it's definitely COVID compatible. Uh, and uh, and also, okay, let's face it, field archery is fun. So uh, it's a good way to get back into the sport and... Uh, uh, I think it's 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 definitely something that we will see uh, quite a lot this year. Yeah, just this past weekend there were events in Great Britain and in Italy to sort of test the waters, to test the procedures, to help the organizers comply with the local regulations around the pandemic situation, protect those athletes and everyone else participating, the judges, the field crew, everyone. Um, the nice thing about field archery is at any given time you've only got about four people in your group. Occasionally with a judge, occasionally not. And so uh, I, I guess the idea here is that um, they're doing a little like golf, the one they did in Great Britain. They, they uh, are giving a, a tea time. And so you always have a gap between a group and you don't have eight people or nine gathering in one spot. That's an innovative approach. Yeah, it's, it's something that has been done in 3D for years in many countries. And, uh, and now we see it in field as well. And why not? Uh, not to you, difference. Uh, okay, uh, it's clear that uh, the ones that finish early will have to wait till the ones that finish late to know the results. But uh, for the rest, uh, it's it's absolutely uh, manageable. Yeah, I heard it took only four hours to shoot twenty four targets on the British uh, event. Now the the Italian event that took place, that test, that was different. They they did something different. They made the size of each group smaller. They only shot a group of three people, and each archer had to shoot individually instead of in pairs. And so I suppose that uh, that's another way to do something like this. More groups, but smaller ones. Yeah, exactly. It's, I, of course, depends also on the number of entries and, and the number of courses you could have. But I think we will see uh, a lot of creativity in what can be done uh, and uh, to keep it safe. Um, we, we saw also uh, target archery starting in... Uh, in Switzerland, in Netherlands, in Belgium. Uh, uh, so we, we know that the Koreans have been continuing doing competitions as well. Uh, and uh, you probably saw that uh, there's now a third archer who has shot 1,400 points. Yeah. So uh, not only they have started competing again, but starting competing really well. So, uh, you know, WA um, used to be Federation Internationale de Tiro Larc, FITA. And back in the day, we would get a shield when you'd make a, a big number, a 1,000 FITA star pin, uh, 1,100, 1,200. I never got a 1,000 or 1,100 because my very first FITA round was exactly a 1,200. So <laughs> I never got those other colors. 
But you have Good the 1300. You. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just saying, I, I sort of regret that I didn't get the other ones, but um, I think you should give all three. If somebody shoots a 1200, they should get the 1000 and the 1100. But that's, I digress. Well, it's, it's, this is uh, for, for the, the, what we call, uh, we don't call them lower value because we are only talking about higher value uh, words in the rule book. Um, but uh, for the 1000, uh, 1100, and, and nowadays 1300 as well, it's really a national federation policy. So I know in certain countries they allow uh, to purchase the other ones uh, as such. So sure. there, is, there is ways of, of, of obtaining them. And, and it's something that still exists. We also have uh, performance awards for the 70 meter rounds, the 50 meter rounds, and so and indoor rounds. So it's something that is uh, still quite popular. And uh, uh, having gone through some of the archives while we were in lockdown, um, it's amazing how this tradition uh, started already many years ago and when they were keeping track of every single uh, award given out uh, to all the countries and uh, when they were still uh, running the whole federation with only volunteers. And it's amazing how much work was done on that. Yes, absolutely. But what I was driving at is, okay, your 1300 pin, that's red. The 1400 is a purple one. But all these pins have the original uh, FIDA logo on them. Are you doing anything new to commemorate the fact that you've got 1400s in uh, in recurve now as as well, more or less a regular I must, thing? I must, I must, well, a regular three. Uh, I think we have a stock of 247 left. So oh, good. I think we, we're still okay for some years. Okay. Well, that sounds like a good plan. I kind of like the classic look myself personally, as you well know. So I think that... Uh, Answers that they'll be getting a nice purple old school pin for their achievement. You know, I, I said maybe a little jokingly, but not too much, uh, that, you know, the, the Roger Bannister moment in our sport was maybe not when the first 1400 took place with Miss Pock, but certainly the second one pretty quickly led to the third one. And I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing more of those. I, I think the real question is when are we going to see a male archer do it? Because, of course, you know, the women's distances are a bit shorter, and uh, and that'll be interesting to see when we see the first men's 1400 as well. Well, and the same for the 700 barrier, uh, for the 70 meter round, where we yeah. have had two so far, uh, even if uh, both of them in practice uh, pass it regularly, we haven't seen anyone else do it yet. Yeah, well, you know, it's another thing to do it when the whistle blows. As we all know, the DOS whistle brings wind and other conditions, so... <laughs> it's uh, it's going to be an interesting phenomenon to follow for sure, though, and uh, I think uh, it's just a a another proof that when it comes to really high level archery, uh, Korea, which chooses to continue to shoot the four distance rounds, uh, is really on top of its game, even with what's going on right now. Well, Tom, I want to thank you for joining us on the podcast today. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and get the information directly from uh, the top of world archery and uh, from all of us. I appreciate you taking the time and, and uh, hope you and Nat and everyone at WA will continue to stay safe. We hope so, too. And that, uh, I would say the same wish uh, to you and everyone listening, uh, because, uh, like I said, uh, whatever decisions we're taking, uh, the athlete's health comes first.
So a positive note there to finish up our talk with Tom Dillon. And another positive note coming up right now as we speak to Bruce Cull, the executive director of the NFAA Foundation, to talk about what's happening, some new announcements in the U.S. side of things. The hardest working man in the sport of archery. Thanks for joining us again. Hey, you bet. Thanks for having me, George. You're in Yankton today? Yes, I am. Yep. Well, how are things going? Uh, I understand that you've got some news for our listeners regarding the uh, NFAA events and some other events taking place, and it looks like we've got some good news for a change. Yeah, you know, uh, we hope it's good news. You know, everything changes, obviously, daily, if not hourly anymore. But, um, you know, one of the things that we were working on very diligently was, um, you know, trying to save our some of our national tournaments. Um and, of course, one of the first ones that got hit uh, was the Mark 3D, the Redding shoot. And um, we're really excited. Uh, you know, Redding has got issues with, um, obviously, the size of that tournament, everything from the time of the year to workforce to everything else. And, you know, we worked with Break the Barriers, who we had a tournament scheduled with anyhow. And Break the Barriers is uh, a great group, and they're out of Fresno. And um, they are going to host our Mark 3D this year um, in October. So that's going to be awesome. It's the second weekend of October. And uh, we're pretty excited about doing that. You know, Redding uh, is excited, too. Uh, you know, they support everybody in California, of course, and they know that they couldn't do it. So we're pretty excited about doing that. And, um, you know, I think we're going to have a pretty good turnout. So the idea here is that we'll have an event in Fresno, in the fall that will not replace but will provide for something that fills the gap that Reading left behind this year yeah exactly I mean it is going to be officially our uh, NFAA um, 2020 Mark National uh, excuse me Mark 3D National and um, you know yeah it's a, it's a, a one time thing but you know they're, they're a big club there and I think they're going to do a great job and the cool part is we're uh, still able to service our membership and get um, everybody out there from the pros to the amateurs, um, you know, to participate in it. So it'll be a lot of fun, I think. No doubt about that. And uh, I think the, the most important question on people's minds is going to be, will there be a Sasquatch at 101 yards? You know, there the distances are up to 101 yards. I can't tell you um, what animal it'll be, um, but you know, and, and for those that are listening, that we do have a, a small change. We we have two uh, different types of uh, rules for our Mark 3D, and uh, they've worked with us and agreed that they're going to do um, the option in which, uh, of course, it's a marked distance. Um, they're shooting 55 targets a day, and this national will be one arrow per target with no aiming dot okay so yeah and that's the two we, we have a you know two arrows per target with an aiming dot and then we have a one arrow per target with no aiming dot that's our two different um options that we have and, and they've chosen to do the one arrow which is kind of neat it's you know it's it's um still gives those people that are the the real target archers um you know the known distance and those that are bow hunters, um, you know, get the pressure of one arrow and that's it. So I so, think it's kind of a neat combination and I think that's going to go over very well. So just to be clear, there will be a scoring zone on the target. It just won't be a bright orange dot. Correct. Okay. Yes, correct. Okay. Well, yeah, for those that, you know, that haven't shot the Redding shoot, um, 
the the dots or something that you know some people like them some people don't it's kind of a mix um the point is you're still aiming at you know what you know and you're able to even if you can't uh vividly see a red dot or an orange dot whatever color it is um you can have a you know a sheet that shows you where the the vital the highest scoring ring is so um you know just a, a little different uh style that's what that is sure not to get into the weeds with minutiae but does that mean that they're going to be using more or less a standard type 3d target so that people can understand where those rings are without necessarily needing a cheat sheet or is it, is it yeah be- I, and i believe you're going to be able to get those from them too. Uh, you know, they'll have copies of them there, but I, I believe they, um, you know, they've used everything in the past. Uh, and I'm not sure, but you know, I know it'll be a, you know, a Delta McKenzie or a Reinhardt or one of the manufactured ones. Um, so yeah, plus they have some, I think they do have some pretty uh, interesting things, uh, you know, like Redding hat and, you know, some of the people still involved there, um, I'm sure I'm going to show my age here, but the Fresno Safari that was a big tournament for years, you know, they had a lot of uh, exotic targets too, so I think some of that's going to carry over. Yeah, the Fresno Safari was a huge tournament back in its day before Redding, and uh, I think that uh, this will be an interesting return for a lot of folks in our sport uh, who may maybe not have shot in Redding, or pardon me, in Fresno in about, what, 25, 30 years now? Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. yeah for sure. So that's great. Uh, anything else on the calendar that you might want to share at this time? Uh, yep. The other thing that we did, um, we have uh, voted to host, um, and, and this one's a big one, um, very, very unusual for sure, and making and setting history at the same time. Um, again, in an attempt to service our membership um, and react to what a lot of the, uh, the people have asked, we are going to be conducting um, at our headquarters in Yankton, South Dakota, on September 23rd to the 27th, the National Field, the National Outdoor Target, the First Dakota Classic, and for the pros only, the National Indoor. Wow. So, yeah, a big, a big wow there. Um, and, you know, one of the things um, we, we, we've... We sent out, uh, you know, pretty good survey. We got a good sampling of our membership. Got several thousand um, participants in it, and uh, there was a definite desire to do these. Um, and from the emails and, and calls we've been getting, you know, people are just wanting to try something. Um, and of course, with all the the COVID um, restrictions and everything else going on, you know, it's very difficult. But we uh, looked a couple months ahead, and. Um, you know, we didn't want to cancel the entire year, which is the, the avenue we were headed down. Um, and I think this is going to be a great thing. You know, it's something that if people want to do it, they still can. Um, the location is awesome. We're able to host everything at once. And we're in one of those regions in the country where we haven't been affected um, that adversely by the COVID. So, you know, I think there's good potential. Now, you're running these one after another or are you running some of them simultaneously? Yeah, what we're going to do, you know, and, and, and actually I don't have the percentage right here, but there isn't a huge percentage of people that shoot all four of those. Right. Um, in fact, it's in, in, if I remember right, I think two of them were, you know, uh, different ones were kind of what the majority percentage was. But, yeah, what we're going to try to do, and, and, and by the way, um, we're still taking uh, feedback, suggestions, whatever. But, you know, the, the plan, um, and I don't have it detailed exactly, but the plan would be that the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we try to shoot the long distance and outdoor stuff. 
Um, and what I mean by that is obviously we would shoot, um, say on Wednesday, a, a field round in the morning and then one of the first Dakota rounds in the evening um, or one of the outdoor target rounds in the evening. And then, you know, and, and believe me, I, I understand there's uh, when we ask 10 different ways to do it, we get 10 different answers. Um, and we're just going to have to do what's best. And, you know, obviously we wouldn't normally shoot um, nationals on the same day, you know, two different types. But, um, you know, people have been complaining. They haven't had a place to shoot. They want to shoot. They want to shoot. That's what I keep hearing. Yeah. Um, hey, now they've got of, something. Yeah, and this is reflective of that. Um, you know, and, and we're going to give a little prize away for some, you know, for the top gun that shoots all four tournaments. Um, you know, some people will want to do that. And believe me, it, you know, it covers a five-day period. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're, you know, we're pretty excited. And then, you know, Saturday and Sunday, we would have, you know, for the pros only again, um, their indoor rounds. And, uh, you know, some of the round suggestions uh, have been that we shoot a Vegas round one day and then an NFA indoor round the other day. Um, and that's kind of a neat thing, too. You know, it's uh, obviously a very different year, and it's probably time to do something different. So, yeah, a lot of, a lot of good suggestions out there. So basically bring two or three different kinds of bows to Yankton and be ready to shoot all of them. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that was a concern that I had, too, you know, because I've heard that over the years at Vegas, you know, they come to do something, they want to do one thing. Well, yeah, Vegas is a different animal, obviously. And in a normal year, yeah, you put all your effort into one thing, but this is by far normal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we wanted to give everybody the opportunity to just be able to shoot. Sure. Um, and, and you know, I, I think we're, we've done our due diligence and, and we're trying to do that. So, you know, obviously uh, safety has to be first, has to be number one. This COVID thing is uh, really, uh, you know, concerning to everybody. But, you know, we're, we're going to follow all the CDC guidelines, uh, you know, the best we can. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to do everything we can on our end. But, you know, we also do have a couple other responsibilities. Um, one of them is, to, you know, our fiduciary responsibility to our organizations, which yields having tournaments. And then, of course, servicing the customers. I mean, you know, we've got 15,000 customers out there that, um, have joined to shoot their bows and arrows at, you know, events. So, you know, I, I think it's kind of a good mix of everything. Absolutely. And, and I, was a, I was meaning to be a little tongue-in-cheek there. There's no reason you have to participate in all of it. You can just pick and choose and, you know, I mean, it's a smorgasbord of, of events in five days. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, we did something very similar to this in 2011. Um, in fact, I'm not so sure you weren't there. We had the USA Archery um, yes, I was. field, and we had the USA Archery um, uh, outdoor, and we had the NFA outdoor, and you know I think we had three or four of them then. Yeah, I um, shot the USA outdoor at that time, and uh, it was great. The way the whole thing came off was very convenient for everybody. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, there again, you, you don't have a, a high percentage of crossover, but you know what? It gives everybody the ability to do it. And, you know, if if sure one of one of our suggestions was yeah let's do this but let's make it 11 days well you know what that's that's going to eliminate a lot of people yeah um because then uh, you really would have to pick and choose which one you could do i mean you you're yeah, not gonna, and, most people won't be there for 11 consecutive days no and the, and the big problem with that is um you know sure you, but the other problem with it the big problem i see is that if you had it that way 
you're probably not going to gain anybody shooting multiple events, so to speak. No, that's um, exactly what I meant. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this just, yeah. I mean, just and consider- on additionally, the, the other thing we have, um, for those that are involved, you know, I think there's only 30 or 40 of them maybe, but the USA Archery uh, Finals, uh, the indoor finals will also be held in conjunction with our last two days. So, yeah, it, you know, it's... Um, it's a good thing for everybody, um, amateurs and pros alike. Um, you know, the pros are going to be able to compete for a lot of prize money, which I know they've been missing. Um, you know, we're encouraging um, all the manufacturers that are sponsors to, you know, continue with their contingency money. That's something we're, we've got to talk with them about yet. Um, but, you know, we, we look to have very similar numbers um, as we've always had. Sure. And, you know, let's face it, Bruce. Yankton is one of the more affordable places to go to on our calendar, but 10 consecutive days of staying in a hotel versus five is a whole different ballgame. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that's just um, us just making it really tough. Um, you know, in fact, that's staff. one of the things. Yeah, and that's one of the things we talked about. We're still trying to come up with a clever name. So anybody out there, uh, I, I told my staff, I said, this needs to be called something like the Rumble in the Jungle. And they looked at me and said, what's that? You're you're dealing with younger folks, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah, I said, don't you remember Zaire and Muhammad Ali? um, They were like, huh? (laughs) But, you know, whatever, the South Dakota shootout, um, you know, we're going to come up with some little name for it. But yeah, and then, you know, the other part that is definitely not the last for any reason other than it's a little more complicated, um, we're also going to have our full bore indoor nationals that's going to be conducted in the month of um, October or November, one of those two. And it is going to be the virtual that I've talked to you about on this podcast before. So basically for for all the archers, the the 2,000 that normally shoot our indoor, we are going to have that located at our NFA certified clubs and pro shops, strategically located across the country. Um, and, And our survey really yielded big numbers there. I mean, they want to do this. Um, they're excited about it, and um, you know we're excited about it too. We've got uh, over a hundred eligible certified places that we can have this now, and now we're going through the process of you know getting all the logistics done, you know picking the places um, and, and doing that type of thing. So that news will be coming out real shortly too. Great, that's uh, that's terrific news as well. You know a number of countries mm-hmm. are doing this initiative, so it's it's good to see we are as well. I nominate Yankton National Archery Festival as as a potential name for your event, but that's just me. Hey, there you go. There you go. <laughs> and by the way, I don't know if this is a good time to say it, but, um, you know, it's info at NFAAUSA.com. Literally, anybody that wants to uh, add any opinions or um, give us some good ideas, um, like George just did, that's a, that's a great, great, great name right there. That obviously sums it all up. Yeah, well, but, info um, at info at NFAA dash USA. USA, or? nope, just NFAA USA. Oh, all one word. Got it. NFAA USA yep. dot com. Great, because I was going to ask you because you mentioned earlier that you could that you're soliciting input. That's the easiest way to do it is through that email address info at NFAA USA dot com. And I would encourage people to uh, do that very quickly. We're going to make um, the final format decisions for the. The, the Yankton event um, in the next uh, 48 hours, uh, we're going to be getting that information out. And then any, you know, anything that you'd have for um, 
about the virtual national um that one we've got a little more time with but yeah we're just um we're getting everything uh, put together right now so i would encourage people to contact us all right folks pause the podcast right now go over to your email send the email we'll wait okay now that you're back (laughs) good stuff oh yes well yeah we're excited yeah it's gonna be um it's gonna you know it's the the interesting part from our end is um you know having our facility like we do the venue is um there and ready um the negative is we still got to bring a whole heck of a lot of staff and volunteers to pull these off so it's um you know it's 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 something that we really need to do Uh, we want to do it for like i said our membership and the sport of archery as a whole and um you know i think we're on the right track yeah by no means am i making light of the fact that this is a big job i mean it's a huge task to undertake but you've proven in the past that you guys in yankton are up to it there's no doubt about that it's it's uh it's it's a nice feeling to know that you can go to a town that really embraces our sport yeah, well, that's one of the big things that, you know, growing up and living in this area, uh, by the most part, I mean, the, the Midwestern hospitality um, is awesome, you know. And sure, I'm like a lot of people. I love to go to a, a big city, um, you know, for some of the sightseeing. But, you know, when you walk around Yankton, everybody knows you're an archer and they are friendly and they're, you know, they're welcoming everybody with open arms. And um, that's really neat, like you said, to to have a community embrace people is awesome. I might venture to say that right now, do, dealing with what we're dealing with right now, Yankton might be just the place for this kind of thing. I don't think you'd be able to do this in a lot of big cities that you know maybe wouldn't be as, shall we say, uh, conducive to a nice visit at this time as things stand right now as we speak. Yeah, absolutely. You know, our state has been awesome. I think most listeners have probably seen our governor on one of the news channels. I mean, our state's one of those that our governor left it up to each individual county and city. And, you know, we never closed down. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't know that we've even uh, broken a hundred deaths in our state since COVID started, which is less than our death rate for normal influenza. So, yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's obviously it's still a serious concern, but at the same time, oh, um, time. your specific yeah. state has been doing quite well and we pray it continues to. And I imagine that it's going to be, um, something that has a lot more clarity by the time we get closer to the event. But right now, trends-wise, hopefully it's it's looking better and we'll continue to track it, of course. But uh, it's my understanding right now that USA Archery's Nationals are still on schedule for Virginia, where they're also seeing yep. some improvement. Um, anything else out of that board meeting that you want to share with us? Uh, that You know, I, I don't know that I'm... Uh necessarily at liberty to say everything but i know i can say this all the events that were scheduled are still on on schedule okay good so yeah I, i'm sure uh, there's, there's some changes coming with some of the procedural stuff uh more dealing with you know usat and the olympics and sure and we'll be talking that, yeah we'll be talking to the rod yeah. menzer as we get closer to those things but uh as tom yeah, dealing told us earlier today the uh, the big thing is paris World Cup next year will be the final qualifying tournament for the Tokyo Games. That'll be in June of next year. So uh, that's sort yeah. of the big news there. And of course, that's going to have a ripple effect, a, a domino effect on everything that USA Archery is planning because, uh, you know, this year would have been Berlin back in June. Now it's going to be Paris next year. And uh, I'm sure that the USA Archery folks are going to 
get right on that, get the plans together and, and get that moving along. But in the meantime, yes, um, absolutely. yeah. So Bruce, that's great news. Uh, several big events coming up, uh, not a replacement, but a substitute, shall we call it for Reading in Fresno. And of course, a full slate of NFAA action taking place. What are the dates again for Yankton? Um, it would be September 23rd through the 27th. Those are actual tournament dates. Great. Great. So yep, that's that, a Wednesday through a Sunday. And that's just about every kind of archery you could possibly want in one convenient place, the world's largest dedicated archery center in Yankton, South Dakota. Absolutely. Uh, like I said, um, you know, safety is number one. Um, and we're adhering to everything there. And then number two to us is uh, promoting the sport of archery, obviously. So we, we hope everybody can join us. And like I said, go to our uh, Send us an email and if you have any ideas, um, and we'd be happy to take those into consideration before we make our final decisions on formats. Did you hear last week's podcast by any chance? Um, I did not know. Okay, good. Because you don't want to hear Steve Anderson rendering okay, good. you don't want to hear Steve Anderson rendering his Bruce Cull impression. Oh great. Did he, did he have a <laughs> He told the story did, what did he told the story of staying in the apartment and finding Ted Nugent's shampoo. I'll just leave it at that. Ah, okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you never know. We, we, we may have some uh, celebrity people here for that tournament, too. Since you happen to mention Ted, it's not going to be Ted, but um, we're going to have a lot of nice, fun things going on. So it should be good. a good time. Sounds good to me, Bruce. Hey. Go ahead. Hopefully the big cat can make it. Oh, I hope so too. I'm, I'm sure he's looking forward to getting out there himself and uh, and getting some stuff done. We were just talking about USA Archery Nationals in Virginia, and uh, you know things are a little up in the air. He's he's a busy guy, but um, I, at the end oh, of the yeah. day, you know, uh, you're going to have a lot of folks there. Everybody is eager to get back and at it in our sport. Uh, no matter where you are in the world, we all look forward to seeing you as well. Sounds great. 